you don't have to do it, but don't be freaked out by it, Scott. Okay. All right, let's go. <laughs> Welcome to Blue Car Love, the Starflyer 59 retrospective. My name is Samuel, and sometimes I tell myself I need to go anywhere. Where are you, man? I don't care. I just need a taxi to take me there. And my name is Aaron. Sometimes magic works. Sometimes it don't. Sometimes you're always sinking. Sometimes you float. And we have joining us tonight Scott Hatch, the founder of Burnt Toast Vinyl, to help us review the fan favorite, really. Everybody seems to love this one. Dial in. Yeah, I, I guess I've got to concentrate. I see what you did there. Very nice. Very nice. I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Very good. Very good. Very good. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. So we are talking about dial-in. And I do find this, this album fascinating. It came out in 2008 um, in addition to Jason Martin. Because is it even a Starfire 59 project if Jason Martin's not there? I don't think so. Um <laughs> Um, it had the ever-reliable Stephen Dale on bass and Trey Manny on drums, who is basically, at this point, the Starfire 59 trio for up to present times, all reality. And it comes squished right in between My Island, which has its fair amount of naysayers, even though I loved My Island. And the changing at guard. I used to has... hate it, and now and I've and I and I've evolved. <laughs> I would say and... love, but it's a good relationship. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and changing at guard, which once again very contentious. And in the middle, we have the fan favorite, Dial M. I yeah. I don't know. I'm curious yeah. to talk about this and see what it is that people like. Like, is it? Is it everything Alfred Hitchcock touches, even by proxy, is just good? Is that what it is? Um, <laughs> he does not have Prince magic. That no, that's not it. <laughs> so I'll very briefly give my um, back end. Um, this is we're in the era of Starflyer. I've talked about you know my my idea of how trilogies work in the Starflyer universe and the Starflyer canon. We're right smack dab in the middle of Jason's indie rock. And really, I'm starting to call it the Death of the Rockstar trilogy. Um, we're album number two in that trilogy. I know very little about it other than some songs I've heard here and there. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by this album. Um, even though I had heard the songs on Ghosts of the Past, it was much more enlightening to hear in album form. So I'm excited about this. Aaron, what do you got? What's your history here? Okay, so I don't even technically remember, but I was on the internet 2007, 8-ish. Scott will help me with the details later. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I saw that the Starfire was doing this subscription thing of every month you would get like a 7-inch and eventually a box set. And I was like... And okay, so back up. So the one, the Portuguese blue seven, um, 12 inch um, that had the etch side, whatever. I bought a record player just to get those songs because I was such a huge Starfire song um, fan. Fan, I need to have have those songs. So I had a record player, and so then I didn't have too much vinyl. Um, and then I saw that I have an 
it was probably velvet blue message board back then who knows and i saw that land i was like oh that sounds dope as hell i need that and so i think it was originally 59 59 for colored and i was like sold give me that and um and i remember throughout that year getting the individual records and listening to the ghost of the future um songs and with it you would get a test pressing if you were it's got a again hold on scott you'll you'll clarify this there was a limited amount of people who would got it to it get a test pressing and i got one and i had it whatever and so i never bought the vinyl version of it because i had the test pressing i was like i don't need that and but i listened to it once the album was completed and yeah Fell on hard times later in life and I had to sell the um, test pressing. I, I could not part with the box set because it's just amazing packaging. And then later I bought a vinyl copy of it, which apparently didn't have a lyric insert, which I've been informed tonight. <laughs> it came with it. So now I feel really upset anyway. But um, those songs from the jump, Although, and we'll talk about them, some of those were demos. I was um, listening to those from Jump, and Dialing was weird for me, and we'll go through it because I really like it, but it's not on the top of the Pantheon, the Hall of Fame Starfire songs, and it's nowhere near the bottom, and it's nowhere near in the middle. But, yeah, I really like this album a lot. All right, Scott. Your so thoughts. That, that's like top tier for you, but it's not not the top five. Uh, it's not. I don't know if it's not even top five. It might even be top eight. I don't okay. know. Right. But at the same time, though, I love it. And like I, yeah. um, at the box set of Ghost of the Future, I listen to all the time. But okay. Dowlin, for some reason, I listen to very sparingly. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. So mm. I, guess, I mean, my my history right is I would be a little more closely involved. So we. We put uh, Ghost of the Future up for sale in March of 2007. And so, yeah, like like you mentioned, um, Seven Inches would go out to subscribers um, on kind of a, I want to say we did four shipments or four shipments, and then the fifth shipment was the box. I can't remember exactly, but we broke it up. Into that sounds a- right. That sounds right. That sounds about right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the there were there were 25 test pressing subscribers and the goal for those and I, I remember I had to, to answer some emails about this. So I was reading through my emails last night and came across a couple um, people were confused because as soon as I would get the test pressings from the pressing plant, I would send them out to all of the test pressing subscribers so they could hear them almost exactly the same time that Jason and I heard them. So, you know, there was. There was no secret. I didn't hold them back to make sure they were okay. Literally, I just put them into boxes and I mailed them as soon as I got them. Um, wow. And so sometimes the test pressings, they were sent without artwork. So people were freaking out thinking they didn't get the artwork. And they were they were pissed because the test pressings were kind of expensive. I want to say, they I think they were $100.59, um, if I remember right. And, you know, rightfully sh- so, people should expect something. For all of them or per, or per? No, total. Like, it was okay, like, okay. Yeah, cool. 159 okay. for the test pressing uh, okay. subscription. And then you got you got all 10 um, 7 inches as test pressings with all of the artwork, the box. And then 
um, all of those subscribers got an autographed poster of all of the artwork together. And I think that might have been the first admission that we had done divided up artwork for Ghosts of, of the Future. I don't know if people had figured out that it all went together as one image. We didn't tell anybody. Um, people were just figuring that on their own. And then maybe the poster was really the acknowledgement that, yeah, we had intended all of these to go together as one image. But yeah, that was the test pressing subscription. So anyhow, that that's rambly uh, version of saying like I was there from the start. So like you know, I I had heard these these songs um, definitely as audio files before I sent them to the pressing plant, um, and you know heard them as test presses, heard them as you know seven inches from from the factory when when they when they showed up um, on colored vinyl. Um, you know, so really uh, well acquainted with everything. And in the middle of it, it just seemed obvious that there was no way to go through all this trouble to not put out Dial M on vinyl. And then I guess I was the troublemaker that decided that we should have a bonus track. And, um, you know, Jason's actually fairly prolific and usually has like a song or two available for a vinyl release. So that's where, that's where magic uh, came from and decided to add that on. But then it, it ended up causing a lot of problems to, you know, handle the logistics to make sure that that got added into the record and that everything got cut and pressed in time for um, when the CD and digital releases were ready. I want to say this might be the first Starflyer record that came out on vinyl along with the CD and digital. Um, I probably have to go back and, and, and double check that, but normally we were late by a couple of months just because it's it's so hard to kind of line all that stuff up when when tooth and nail is um you know they're the ones like kind of controlling um when the audio gets released for for a vinyl version and they want to make sure that we're not you know jumping the gun and having the vinyl come out before before the record's ready so i think this was the first time that it coincided um, very cool now the the artwork for dial m was this uh, an invisible creature um, work? Does anyone know off the top oh, of their head? Yeah, yeah. So that Don Don Clark did it all, um, and he um, he did the the CD layout, and then I I definitely found you said an email. Don. It's Ryan Ryan, not Don. Oh, no, his, his brother. No, Don. it's Don Clark. Oh, it is yeah. Don. Okay, right. he's one of the I'm other. Sorry. Part. I'm sorry. There's, Bless there's my heart. Though. Bless my heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, so Ryan, Ryan did changing of the guard, I believe. Um, but Don, Don did dial M, and I, in fact, I found an email where Don like so graciously uh, volunteered to do the the vinyl layout for us. So you know, he took he took the images he was working on for the CD, and he adapted it for the vinyl, and that's how we got this like kind of nice big uh, booklet design for the LP insert. That you don't Very have, nice. Aaron. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, so obviously I don't have a vinyl cover. Um, I don't even have a physical copy of this album, sadly, but I do love, I love, um, the design of it. You know, obviously everything about it references the classic Alfred Hitchcock film. And I really like when you like take out the vinyls, it even looks like a, a rotary dial. It's just, Fun little ideas like that really stand out and just make it a unique release, I think. Yeah, it is very well designed. Yeah. Tom did a great job. Not that he needs my validation, but yeah, it's cool. It looks cool. <laughs> I'm going to have to dissent here. So I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> because, okay, talking voice versus singing voice. I hate the cover. 
my least favorite Starfire album cover. And I love you, Scott. I'm sorry. People know I, you keep it real. We keep it real. Well, I, I, I don't the, I, I don't I don't like the album cover of Dowlin. I don't like it. It's my second least favorite Starfire album cover. Oh, OK. OK. The music's a different story, but the artwork I don't like. Fair enough. I mean, you know, to every person their own. Um, I think it, I, just, I just like it because it gives that idea of the old movie poster. And I am. Um, I would have liked to have seen Starflyer kind of continue this movie poster theme. I just think it would have been I, a really interesting idea. Th- you know, and Sam, that's that's the a problem I have because I feel like this album, there's a lot going on and it's a different vibe. This is not a 50s movie poster thing. This is more of an 80s new wave, Joy Division, New Order, done well because better than those bands and it should have had a different representation of it because it's like a 50s or 40s whenever Dowlin came out it's not a good representation of this because it definitely dominated the electronica new wave brit pop whatever you want to call of that era it said new order joy division nah starfire I don't know. I guess I, I, w- I would disagree. I, I think it's a it, it is a, a cohesive design. Um, and the other the other part of it that you you have to acknowledge and understand is that Jason's going to be at least involved in in the concept, and so mm-hmm. you know, Don is going to pitch him some ideas about a direction. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Jason is going to be the one that's going to okay it. He's not just going to be like, yeah, just do whatever. And, and he, he may he may be just do whatever, but ultimately he's going to kind of okay the direction that's taken. So. Either Jason suggested the Hitchcock thing, um, or you know it was kind of wow. on with with Don um, and Jason. But yeah, Jason would have been involved in that decision for sure. I get it. And again, just opinions here. I'm not. An, I'm not a musician. I'm not an artist. I'm just a therapist. To how I'm relating to it, and it might have been the right decision. It's all subjective. <laughs> so I will get to this at the end of the album, but before we punch into it i just want to i do want to say on the artwork this album is one of jason's most introspective up to this point and having you know we are now i think me and aaron maybe are starflyer scholars at this point we've been doing this podcast for three years and talked to so many people done so much research and i know do a book (laughs) i know i know two things about jason martin at this point in my life a, he is like an old man at heart who loves the 50s, likes the greaser look, likes True. all that stuff. Yeah. Facts, facts. And two, he loves his new wave. The yeah. Smiths, True. New Order. Combine those two. Joy Division. You get Dial M. Yeah. So, and, he, and, he, and he did it better than them, I think. So let's let's go ahead. Let's break All right, this let's down dive into yeah. Let's, let's do it. Sorry, we went too much deep in this. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. If people who listen to this aren't expecting just going too deep by this point, I don't know what they're expecting, honestly. That's what she said. Tie your sex tape. All right. So number one, minor keys. Sam, who's going first? All right. So I'll just um. We've already talked about this song, but I'll talk about it again because it kind of 
the album puts it in different perspective for me. Uh, first off, nice baseline. You know me, man. I love my baseline. And Stephen Dale killing this baseline. I love it. Um, I like this version even better. It fits the indie rock vibe of Dial M much more. Um, it, you know, it just obviously you got a demo versus final product. I think this final product just sounds more polished, much nicer, and it flows with the rest of the tracks so good. And I think the lyrics are great as a reflection on himself, you know, and also a reflection on his influences. Um, that line, I want to write songs like Mar, um, more, more, more. I just always gets me. It's hilarious and just so great. Aaron, have at it. All right. Um, so I'm just gonna, if you want to hear my original take of the, I'm assuming demo version of Meyer keys on the ghost of the future. Listen to that. I'm just gonna jump into the differences on the Dallin album. Um, of course the original, um, Ghost of the Future um, version is 44, 45 RPMs, and this one's 33 RPMs. And um, it sounds slower on Dial M tempo-wise, and Scott will correct me or validate me. <laughs> and I'm with you, um, Sam. The bass, it's, it's it sounds more prominent here than on the Ghost of the Future version. The keyboards overall sound more expansive. I love the keyboard acoustic guitar breakdown in the middle. Um, it makes this, I think this version is better than the Ghost of the Future version. And Scott will throw it to you. And if you know any changes, anything that was different, please let us know. But before you do that, I do my rankings. This is my eighth favorite song on this album three stars and and yeah y'all know my rating on three stars at this point but yeah it's my eighth favorite song of this album of 11. what do you think um scott wow i i didn't i didn't know we were like rating um each each song um okay. that's that's an aaron thing we're he, not that's what we, i do we, we, oh, right. you don't have to yeah that's me that's me no, I, mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do think you're right i mean i think the the, the point of songs on this record are, are to be like the finished polished version you know with the the ghost of the future version being like demos and you know i think some of the songs weren't changed significantly from ghost of the future um until dial M. but you know there are definitely like um you know touches added and you know some some updates made where I, th I think it's a little smoother sounding on, on the, on the record versus ghosts of the future. So I, I think that that's an appropriate take. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Rock on. All I mean, right. I, Air oh. I, I, I definitely really like, you know, the, the reference to Johnny Marr and please, 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 just because it's on the same seven inch um, on ghosts of the future with, you know, the Smith cover song. So, you know, it's, it's almost like, it's so obvious that he, you know, in, intended it to kind of be a companion um, to that to that cover. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's something really interesting in, in that, like, reference. Oh, for sure. And when we were reviewing Ghosts of the Past, we pointed that out, that it was really cool. They were back-to-back -back like that. Oh, you guys have already done that. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do my homework. 
No, it's all good. We haven't posted it yet because I'm lazy and I haven't, and I've been finishing up college work for a month. So you're not lazy. You're a hardworking <laughs> man that's providing for your family and you're making the right decisions because taking care of your family is more important than this. So don't put that on you, Sam. You're doing the right things. All right. Um, maybe I'll add that out. <laughs> don't. All right. Um, <laughs> Scott, why don't you lead us off on one of my favorite tracks and my one in my kind of top three of this album, "The Brightest of the Head." Um, so I guess the the one the one fact I have about "Brightest of the Head" um, is really it, it was called "God Forbid" on Ghosts of the Future, and um, I sort of found out about it like after we had already kind of um, got everything together, um, for the seven inch and Jason had sent me the brightest of the head, um, artwork, which was for an iTunes single version, um, that tooth and nail was going to release in advance of the record. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see that he had, you know, kind of changed the name and, you know, it became the brightest of the head. So that, that's like the one, I may be obvious factoid that, that people picked up on, um, but he sort of, you know, is emphasizing something a little bit different um, in the lyrics uh, by, you know, changing the name of the song. Um, that's, that's, uh, I, I'll go with that as my take. Fair enough. Before I start, I just want to say in the previous conversation we had with you, Scott, you mentioned about um, compulsion being the main reason why Mall Monarchy was on this the seven inch box set release, yeah. Ghost of the Future. Thank you, because I know you didn't hear this, but that was my second favorite song all over all these songs. It's a oh, great wow. song. Yeah, no, I that, love that, that song. That song's super cool and it's it's a very strange song lyrically. Um, you know, about someone who's designing a shopping mall. Like there's something, I don't know, sort of a death you know what? some kind of take on that. Yeah. <sighs> This is hilarious because I'm a huge lyric guy. Lyrics are super important. I don't recall ever looking those lyrics up. The music is just so much. I just bop up to it. I don't even care about the lyrics. And that's the thing. Okay, I'm going to get into it. Okay. With Starflower, like, lyrics really don't matter to me. But, of course, Jason has some super important lyrics, which we'll get into on this yeah. song. <laughs> sure. but, but at the same time, though, I don't even care. He could just be reading names off of the phone book. If the music's good, I'm like, I'm just bopping to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree, like, the, the lyrics don't matter except when they when they're really important like you know like the, there are songs where the lyrics are essential right like when we get to magic that's essential uh, i'm gonna say this song the brightest of the head slash god forbid like you said um this is my fifth fa overall favorite of the box set on dial M number three it's a four star song um the drums pop more on this version um I don't know if that's right or not, but it just they just sound they just, I just hit the drums more percussion more. Um, and then there's a lyric change from obviously, like you said, he changed the song from God forbid to the brightest of the head. But the lyric goes, God forbid to God forgive. And that's, you know, that's always best. You know, I'm like, wow. So God forbid, allow me to do this. But then it's like, no, forgive before I did. <sighs> I'm I'm stop there. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna. Nobody wants to hear a sermon from a former pastor who's now agnostic. <laughs> All right. The spooky. There's spooky keyboards here doing the chorus, and then during the outro, 
um, there's like a the the outro is more fuzzier than the Ghost of the Future um, version of the song. And yeah, that's all I gotta say about this. Fair enough. So my take on this is, um, you know, obviously it's just so beautiful. This song has that really beautiful intro. And it really is. It really is. And um, it almost has a lullaby quality to it, which I don't know I've ever heard a lullaby song from Martin, but it just it has this really lullaby. And I've been so for the past month and a half, I've just been reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs every day. And so I, I go from reading Proverbs to listening to this song and so much of it sounds like it just would fit so nicely in between all those verses about gaining wisdom and uh, avoiding evil and yada, yada, yada. So like you have lines like a crooked tongue makes for crooked speech. God forbid what I thought, forgive what I think. Um, and just, it feels so proverb esque in like a, a, a lullaby you would sing to your child to teach them a lesson. Um, it's time. It's time. I made up my mind that changed my mind that I made up my mind. Top three best Jason lyrics ever. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Like it's and, it so describes my personality so much. <laughs> what I also really love about this song is this is a um, once again, this album is just full of introspection. And you know, the the lines about I was the fairest of them all, the biggest of the small, which is a hilarious line coming from Starflyer. Um, the sharpest of the shed, I was the brightest of the head. And it, it really goes into this introspective of, you know, I I was big for a minute, sort of, um, but now I realize, you know, maybe I let my head get a little bit full of itself and I'm trying to be better about myself. And I don't know, I just, this song hits all the right notes and feels so personal, um, which Jason always writes personal songs, but sometimes some feel more personal than others and uh, this one just feels really close to home when when the lyrics aren't cryptic they hit and then sometimes the lyrics don't matter it's just about the music that's why we love them <laughs> so, so, i mean he, he is kind of uh you you did bring up mom monarchy and I, I think you're bringing it up because the lyrics kind of like echo each other right because it, it it does talk about brightest of them all in mall monarchy and this is like it, he's not saying brightest of them all, but he's saying brightest of the head. But he's he's kind of like it's like a little bit of a parallel lyrically to that song. Um, I, I I think there is like some kind of reference that he is he's making the mall monarchy um, to kind of break down the, the lyrics a little bit. That's a cool thought, and it would not surprise me. Um, we've uh, who was it you was talking to Aaron, and they're like, just take Jason's lyrics at face value. Usually oh, he yeah. just sees a lyric and just writes it down, and that's it. <laughs> No, totally. yeah, God, who like, said uh, that? Yeah, somebody said that. Who said that? Oh, I don't remember. Somebody did say that. But I've never looked up the words to the full mall, mall monarchy, but I am going to definitely now. The, 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 lyric goes, <laughs> the, the lyric goes, you were the brightest of them all when you designed the shopping mall. So, like, that's, like, you know, one of the, the choruses that kind of comes back around. So, brightest mm -hmm. of them all is, you know. Um, it, kind of a different yeah. phrasing, but you know it's kind of related really to the subject matter of, of the song for sure. And the 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 vanity, um, in search of vanity, deluxe edition on van. Uh, there's the title magazine that came with it, and there's an interview with Jason Martin. He did, and in that he did say that 
his lyrics are so literal and yeah and like he people would be surprised about how literal his lyrics were and maybe that was it sam maybe someone else said it i don't know i'm old i'm out of here next up concentrate <laughs> who wants to take it all right i'll, I'll hit this one up first um, okay. I have some... um. so i think this song is fascinating because it says so much about the plight of like adhd kids in so few words which is the most fitting thing you can do for a song that's sort of about adhd <laughs> make it as short but as like possible terry, but but like terry taylor said in our interview with him jason has the talent to say so much with so little words yeah and it's true <laughs> um and so i just think the the Relics are really cool to talk about this. Um, it's just something I have seen a lot with, you know, particularly young boys when they're in that six to 12 year old range, no one really wants to deal with them. So they say, oh, they must just be hyperactive and, you know, they can't concentrate. And um, it's really cool just to kind of see a song talking about that. I think we've all related at some point. Um, and the synths definitely give me Smith's vibes. I've been listening to some Smith's and, um, such in recent history and i definitely get the vibes from these synths and particularly on the course you're gonna kill yourself sam stop it don't do it anymore (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also i get some neon horse vibes from this um there's another song on this i get major neon horse vibes and i know he didn't make this too far after he made neon horse i wouldn't be surprised if there was a little bit of leftover dna there Bless your heart, Sam. No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Go ahead and um, hit us up, Aaron. What do you got? All right. Overall, the the LP version sounds fuller, more fuller than the um, seven inch version of the song. Um, Three and a half stars, my fourth favorite song in this album. And and I'm not going to read state what you said yeah i agree all the stuff about adhd kids well i'm sorry it's add now no add kids i agree with everything you said sam completely um you can hear the vocal echoes during the course on this version they're cleaner and i really like that um the guitar part during the second verse sounds different to me maybe i'm just dumb i don't know um and then the the guitar solo also sounds thicker on this in the outro um, guitar parts, they have different effects to me as well. So those are the only differences that I really hear on this version compared to Ghost of the Future. What do you think, Sam? I mean, Scott, tell me I'm wrong. No, no, I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's the kind of the intent of the seven inch to the album, right? Like, I, I would be shocked if you thought the seven inch version sounded better unless like the reason you liked it was because it sounded rougher. So yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on there. You know, one one thing, um, not directly about this song, but the mention of Terry Taylor. Um, the one thing I do notice, like as I re-listen to the songs, Jason's voice approaches uh, Terry's in some of that like mid-season Daniel Amos material, like Fearful Symmetry or his solo record Briefing for the Ascent. I feel like a, a bit more in, song of the heart too. Maybe song of the yeah. heart too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel like it, 
it's distinct, but Jason, it, there's something about the way the vocals are produced or the, you know, the approach to his singing that is, is not dissimilar. I, I think he, he's starting to converge on, you know, DA, if you will. Which is, which is interesting. And, you know, that, that mid, um, that mid period, like fearful symmetry in particular, I would say that that's my favorite Daniel Amos record, DA record. Um, it, it's really kind of synth. What? Um, okay, so Scott, I'm sorry. Every ghost, every guest gets this. Bless your heart, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the, the darker, synthier one, um, you know. And I and I think you know Jason is is kind of in you know he's he's doing doing that a bit in in dial in for sure. For sure. Um, I never thought about how much his voice probably does sound like Terry Taylor, but I'm not surprised at all. Like we've talked to Terry Taylor a lot and we know that they were best, probably are still like best friends and he was a big fan of his music. So that is a good, yeah, Scott, thanks for pointing that out. I never thought about that. So thanks. <laughs> all right, Aaron, kick us Who off. Who said it's easy? Who said it's easy? All right, so on the seven inch, it was called easy, and then that one was who said it's easy. The keyboard during the intro sounds more crisp and cleaner. Um, um, and then the keyboard sounds um, throughout the song sound more up in the mix. You can hear it more than on the seven inch version. I did the breakdown in the soaring guitar solo that's completely different from the um, original version. It's my sixth favorite song on Dial M, three stars. Who wants to have next edit? All right, Scott, go for it. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just going to mention, you know, he does he does change the title from the seven inch from easy to, you know, who said it's easy. So that. I'm not sure he's trying to emphasize something there. Uh, not that it's changing the meaning too much, but you know, he's there is an adjustment there. I guess that's obvious. I'll just be the the obvious commentator uh, for this this record. Uh, hey, I, sometimes I, it's needed. <laughs> I like what you had to say, you know, about the differences. Um, yeah, I uh, I failed by not taking notes down, but yeah, that 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 makes sense to me. It's all good. Um, I really like, and I mentioned this, I'm sure, in the other review, but I'm going to say it again here. I like the uh, comparison Martin is making to being an artist musician to being a mystic. And I think it's a really interesting metaphor because at the end of the day, you know, uh, with a magic trick, you're trying to get people to buy into an idea of some sort, usually through some form of illusion or catching of the eye. And that's what a lot of art is at the end of the day. You're trying to get people to convince them that this is real, even though it's just a recording or it's just a movie. You, you want their brains to believe it's so real at the moment. Uh, okay, I'm, 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 okay, Sam, I'm sorry about getting metaphysical here, but it is real. Your perception, your feelings in that moment, however, whatever you're dealing with is real. And that's why art, music, film, paintings, whatever form of art that's why it has been around since the beginning of humanity because there's three most essential needs of humanity thirst food 
voice and by voice i mean being being able to express ourselves to communicate to the world those around us how we feel and that's what art is and so that's why we connect with the music we, we connect with starfire whatever because jason is writing about things that we all deal with death of a dad not being recognized unrealized expectations all these things and so yeah it's real it really is real and that's sure. why we feel it and that's why we feel it so deep yeah and you know it's it's like a quote i heard um someone said my favorite thing about a movie theater is we all sit down together and we all tell each other the what we're watching is real and we just all kind of join in this um mutual illusion of reality for two hours and um i think that just ties back into you know jason saying i'm like a mystic and really it's not as easy being a musician as you guys may think this can get really grinding really hard sometimes and it's just like religion sorry sam i mean same thing sitting in the movie theater sit in the church and we are told these things and we perceive them as real or not it's all as people we need we crave meaning and we want to have order and we have all these things art religion jobs whatever to give waking up in the morning and we'll talk about this on changing the guard too so stay tuned to get because it gets even deeper but that 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 drudgery that um just the daily grind of waking up and getting through life and jason talks about that so much and the next album is way more intense than that. <laughs> um, my last notes, I will say this song feels super chill. So chill flyer 59, baby. Um, and I like how it flows into some light shoegaze near the end. Like it's not like vanity or gold shoegaze, but it's just like some kind of pop shoegaze if that was a thing. Just near the end of the what song, song are we even on right now? I don't even remember. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> I know it's easy. I know it's easy. I'm messing. I'm messing. All right. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about M23. I'll kick this off. Go ahead. Get uh, it, Sam. This song in this version takes on an almost folk song quality. Agreed. Um, I think I hear an accordion there. <laughs> am I hearing an accordion or am I crazy? I mean, it's probably from the the keyboard. I don't know that it's an actual uh, an accordion, but there might be it's, accordion sound from the keys. It's probably both accordion and he's crazy. Bless his heart. <laughs> and <laughs> once again, we hear uh, Martin referencing his Christian faith in this album and in my island far more than any album prior. Mm -hmm. um, so I just find that really fascinating, and I think. It's less about preaching and more about just being introspective. Like this is yeah. this is the bits and pieces of who I am, and I'm just kind of I'm going to just throw it out there, and I just um, find that really fascinating and really honest and really cool. Yeah, I mean, definitely, this is like you know, older man Martin kind of looking back at his younger self a, a bit, right? You know, and and I think he he's going to start to do that a lot more. I mean, that's the transformation that's kind of happening around this record. You know, and it, it, it continues on, um, you know, to the current day vanity, for sure. Um, you know, which is a little different than the other records. You, you guys are you were definitely right. All right. Well, I would say, so M23 is the name of the song. 
Um, sounds like there are more sound effects in this mix mm -hmm. than on the, the seven inch. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot more going on in the mix. Um, this is my fourth favorite. Um, I'm sorry, seventh favorite song on this album. Three stars. I mean, we talked about this in the previous episode, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But, you know, it's enjoyable. Oh, All right, yeah. One, one, oh. one last thing. I'm sorry. The drum breakdown before the verses um, sounds different on the seven in than the seven inches. And I noticed that. But um, like you, Sam, I might just be crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um um, Scott, I want you to lead us off off of this. And can you tell me, since you're you're an insider here, who the heck is Jason Leon Martin? <laughs> good one, Sam. All right, good one, Sam. <laughs> um, wait, where's did he say that in the lyrics? No. So if you look at the the credits, it says Jason Martin and then Jason Leon Martin. Two credits, and it's like one of the few Starflyer songs credited to someone besides Jason. Are, are you looking at it online, or it, I, I was looking at the online version. Yes. Well, you know that that's probably how it's uh, officially um, attributed. Um, like, but in the in the printed credits, it would just be Jason Martin. So I, I think I think that is his full name. Oh, oh! Now we know. And, and like if we okay, so I'll say this: like when you look at songs um, in like you know ASCAP or um, BMI or like the Universal um, Master Catalog, it will have like the full name of the artist, um, like their middle name often is, is listed there. So something tells me it's just an artifact of where it's pulling the information from. Um, that's probably why you see it. Okay, well that, that's really cool to know. All right, in that case, Scott, tell me about Taxi. Um, what wait, are your before you do, wait, 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 hold on. So Jason's middle name is Leon. I, I don't quote me on that. I don't have his driver's license in front of me, but that would that would make plausible sense to me that that's how it's listed in the catalog. If that is true, then Jason's black. All right, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so white guys can't be Leon. <laughs> that's amazing. How many white guys do you know named Leon? Never mind. Just go ahead. Taxing. <laughs> uh, kings of Leon, Aaron. Duh. Uh, <laughs> but, none of their, but none of their names are Leon. That's the band name. Go, Scott. <laughs> so, all right. So, I, I have to say, I feel other, other than magic, let me go first on magic. Otherwise, I'm not sure I'm qualified to lead the discussion for, for these songs. <laughs> Because I didn't, I didn't write down the level of notes that you guys did. I've definitely listened to them, so I can contribute and weigh in. But um, all right, yeah, all right, Aaron, go for taxi then. Aaron, okay. Jason's vocals sound more up front here. Um, and I wish, I don't know, I don't know. Hmm. So. So Americana is one of my favorite, and depending on the day, it's probably my favorite. And so his vocals obviously weren't up in the front in the mix. So, but I feel like on these songs, his lyrics, I mean, his vocals should have been more pressed up because I feel like his voice was great here. But anyway, 
but yeah, I just wish his vocals were more up front here. And again, barring the outtakes and everything on the box set, this is my second favorite song in the sound album, Taxi. Um, the keyboard slash synth solos are stellar. The word synth ending on Ghost. So in the Ghost of the Future version, this is weird ending on the synth. Mm-hmm. And it's not on the dial-in version. And that's so sad. Um, this is a four-star song. And I missed that little synth ending. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, well, no, I, I, I do like the uh, the abrupt ending um, on Taxi on the 7-inch for sure. Yeah, and it, it is sad to like not have it here. You're, you're, you're right. Yeah, I will I will support that. I, to be honest, I don't have a lot to say about the song. Um, it's, it's cool. I like it. Fair enough. It's it's one of my favorite songs on this album. Um, probably not my favorite, but pretty close. Just I don't know, man. I just I relate to it way too hard. Um, it's amazing because it's amazing. Well, the, the groovy synths that are still sad, like yeah. the fact that you can have something so danceable and so sad at the same time. That's, That's why we love Joy Electric, Ronnie. It's it's so danceable and it's depressing mostly. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a total '80s new wave thing. Yeah, and totally. I love that. Um, and I think the introspective lyrics are some of Martin's best, and so relatable. You know, sometimes I tell myself I should have walked away when they all started to tell to leave. Um, sometimes I tell myself not all the time, but most of the time. <laughs> Like, I we've all been there, you know. Like, I should have just quit while I was ahead. I should have, but I didn't, and now here I am. Um, and so you know, just sometimes we all want to take a taxi to anywhere, just escape from our stupid problems that we all have to deal with. And yeah, that's Amen. why this is one of my favorite songs. It just just it's, like my recliner. I I want to be somewhere where I'm not. T- I mean, just escapism. Humanity is about escapism, just not dealing with our problems. It's music, drugs, gambling, all of it. We're just trying to not deal with anything. <laughs> Yay! Oh, my gosh. This is such a Smiths podcast right now. Oh, my gosh. I went in the last podcast. I just railed against the Smiths, and now I'm a Smith. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, well, continuing on that depressing track, we have track number seven, Automatic. Yes. Um, this contains the lyrical theme, continues that lyrical theme of uh, Martin fighting his own irrelevance. Yes. It'd just be like, I'm so irrelevant That's his now. career. That's his career. Totally. He did that. He started that with um, Leave Here a Stranger, probably before then. Yeah, but I think... <laughs> This album and My Island build off yeah. each other so nicely in those things. Americana, though. Americana, though, too. But anyway. Stop, stop, trying, stop okay. trying to dump my yeah. mojo there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Who's going first? So, Sam, deal well, it out. I, that's, this, is, this is me going first. I, I already went All first. Right. Just, just saying mm-hmm. the lyrical themes work nicely. Um, I like the bass line of the synth cello. It's like a synth cello. Sounds so cool. So, um, yeah, this is a a fun song, not one of my favorites, but I think it's definitely a cool song. Like, I don't know if it's possible for Jason not to do a cool song. 
I, I really like the lyric, I'm a messenger like Kissinger, because it's, it's such a weird lyric in a song. Um, and, you know, in some ways it is like, that's kind of an old man reference, because, you know, the young kids don't know who Henry Kissinger is. Um, you know, it's like very interesting. I, I, I like that. Okay, for all us young kids, tell us who Henry Kissinger was. He's. I will. Henry Kissinger. Okay, go ahead, Scott. No, you go, no, ahead. go ahead. If you know, I would have to. <laughs> I do. He's a war criminal who <laughs> enacted so many policies in, during the Vietnam War that killed so many Cambodians and Viet Vietnamese people. He should be in jail and be a disgraced person. He's a piece of crap person. And Jason referencing that is an affront to me. And when I hear that, I'm a messenger at Kissinger. Are you saying you're a messenger of death? Because that's what he was. And I referenced this in a lyric um, on one of our shows. And I feel bad about that because Henry Kissinger is a piece of crap person. Google him. He's not good. All right. <laughs> I mean, sorry. I think I I'm think sorry. that I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I think sincerely though that plays into the themes of the song, because the song's all about is sometimes the worst part of me is automatic, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't absolutely. Like. And, oh my god, yeah. It, it's, okay. Sometimes I'm like, I'm like a human trash. I just, I the worst parts of me just come automatically, and I don't even like it. Yeah, so, and the the. The Red Hot Chili Peppers have a song called Dark Necessities, and the line goes, you don't know my mind, you don't know my kind, dark necessities are part of my design. And I'm just like, and I remember hearing that, hearing that song, I was like, yes, there's so much darkness in humanity, and it's part of our design, and we try to pretend like it doesn't exist, and that's bad. We need to acknowledge it and, like, put parameters and things in to prevent that from happening, Yeah. And maybe you're right, you know, maybe that's what he was saying. I hope that's what he's saying, because if he's, like, praising Kissinger, I might not be a Starfire 59 fan, because Kissinger's I, a piece of crap. I think he's, he's I think terrible. He's, he's terrible. I, I would say <laughs> that he's, uh, he's throwing it out because it, it's it sort of uh, it rhymes with Messenger. It, it kind of yeah. rhymes. It um, rhymes, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought, too. And that's why I was like, okay, Jason, I love you. I'll forgive you for this. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think um, Jason would... Um, He's not very political. He's not very political. He's not very yeah. political. Yeah. 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 I know that. So is it up to me? Who's next? Who we're we talking about on this song? I think everyone's talked. Everyone good on this song? I don't think I talked on it. Oh, I didn't. I definitely didn't. All right. So I'm going to go right now. So this is three... Ready. No. Yeah, exactly. This is my fifth favorite song on Dial M. Fifth. Pretty good. Three stars out of five. Um, on the seven-inch box set, this is the first song. Um, but it starts side B on Dial M, which is great because it's a great opener. It's not the best and it's not the worst. I think it's a very good starter for any side of an album. And I'm a physical guy. I like vinyl cassettes are crap and people keep putting stuff on cassettes <laughs> only stop jeff clown <laughs> <laughs> we need vinyl but i get so this being a b-side opener cool i'm okay with that his vocal okay, go ahead. Go ahead. no no you go ahead go ahead you're, you're you're doing your rating and i interrupted you finish your rating and i'll i'll, I'll time it okay um the vocals sound more smoky 
on this version compo uh, compared to the seven inch. Um, the outro on go the ghost version um, has um, it's like shakers or tambourines on it. A la Steve hit along Wayne Everett, <laughs> and I like the automatic version on the Ghost of the Future version better for that. Oh, you yeah. like that tambourine? Okay, okay. I do. I love it. Do you, who did the tambourine? Wayne Everett or Steve Hillong? Who did it? It was Wayne, wasn't it? It was you know, Richard I Swift. I don't actually. It was know. Richard Swift. It was Richard Swift, probably. And I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because like I don't. <laughs> we didn't get very full credits for the seven inch. I, 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 I don't know that we have extensive notes for each each track, especially the yeah. players. It's so probably it, Richard it Swift, though. Yeah. yeah. I, I do really like the energy of the song. I think it's like a very propelling song. Um, it's yeah, it's it's not super complicated, but it, it is it is very cool. I will say that I was I was texting Jason last night and I asked him the question, why is the flow different from the seven inches to uh, the dial M track listing for some of the songs? And, you know, in, in typical Jason fashion, he's just he doesn't really remember. But, you know, I, I suggested that it was probably just it flowed better. And he's like, yeah, probably just sounded better to like switch the songs around. So, um, you know, I was trying to get some, you know, secret answers out of Jason. But, you know, he's a he's a man of, you know, few complicated uh, analytical uh, thoughts about, you know, his music and, and why he does things. So there you go. Speaking of talking to Jason, can you talk to him maybe about coming on our podcast and talking about some things? Um, you know, I, I could, I, I don't know that I've ever heard Jason on a podcast. Does he, does he ever do them? No, I don't, I don't think no, he's... he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's, he's a hard person to talk to. So I was doing, I was doing a lot of interviews when I was going to put gold out on vinyl and I, I interviewed him a bunch. So that was probably like, was like some of the longest I'd ever talked to Jason, but that was probably one of the more extensive, like interviews that i think you know any anyone has done um but i guess I've, I've not really like released that to anyone or really told any anyone what we talked about but yeah he doesn't really he doesn't really talk and it took a, a long time to kind of get him going in those sessions like we would kind of start out and well, like really well, slow I'm, a, I'm a therapist by trade if he agreed i think i can get a lot out of him you could trick him. I mean, he doesn't. He not doesn't trick. A, whoa, whoa. No <laughs> trick. <laughs> no trick. <laughs> so I, Just trying to get information out. <laughs> I think what's, what's interesting about uh, Jason is more about if you talk about, like, um, the facts around, like, who did what, when, um, you know, what the setups were like. Um, okay. You know, what, what the instruments were, um, kind of maybe even some of the things that kind of fed into it as opposed to, like, okay. He's never going to tell you what a song means because, like, to him, like, right, that's, you know, just... Okay, okay. You know, it should be plainly obvious or, you know, it is what it is. That's good. Uh, yeah. So let him let him know. Talk to us. Those The questions will be based around that. Go ahead, right. Sam. Go ahead, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Coming back to the matter of the gravy. Don't don't feel bad, Scott. He he. We asked this to every guest we talk to. Hey, you're talking to Jason. Yeah. Even Ronnie Martin, his freaking brother, like 18 years ago, and still nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. His freaking brother. His freaking brother. 
I'm I'm surprised Ronnie wouldn't talk because you know him being like a uh, you know a minister who talks. <laughs> you think he'd be interested in being? On oh yeah, no, Ronnie talked a lot. He was awesome. Oh you oh you had him. You had him. No, we mean about <laughs> yeah, no we no we employed him to talk to Jason to come on. Yeah, he talked. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I misunderstood. Oh yeah yeah okay okay gotcha. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next track here. Um, Aaron, why don't you kick us off? Altercation. Oh man, the word. All right. This is the only B side from Ghost. Um, uh, um, I'm sorry. This is the only um, B side from Ghost um, that wasn't its own thing. This is the B side of um, God Forbid. Has also brightest of the hit. So that's weird. Since this is the only B-side that made it onto that one. Maybe Scott has some insight in that. Um, the tempo on the ghost version of the song sounds faster than on Dalim. The, the percussion, keyboards, and guitar solo, then the breakdown is way different than on the ghost version. And I love it. Um, this is my ninth favorite song. Three stars, though. Three out of five. Still great. There's no bad songs. Well, yeah, no bad songs in this. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say about this. So this is the other song I said felt like a neon horse song. Um, I'm jiving with it and I can sincerely, like I was looking at the lyrics and I was hearing the Norman horse voice from Mark Solomon in my head. Um, so I would be surprised if this was not a neon horse B side, honestly. Mm. Um, but I feel like, uh, the lyrics feel really introspective. Once again, it's common theme for this album. Um, the conflict we all have with other people and how we can come to regret, you know, the conflicts we inevitably have with people. So, um, yeah, great song. Not necessarily one of my favorites, but still a good song nonetheless. And I'm always happy to hear that kind of gothy rock of Starflower 59. Scott, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, it, it was a B-side on, on Ghost of the Future. So I am wondering... I'll, I'll read into this. Um, like, so Black Jacket doesn't make it onto Dial M, and it's a little bit of an outlier of the of the A sides, if you will. From and it, and, and and it should not have been on that album. So good decision. Yeah. So I I, th I think it might have just been like as he progressed, he's like, you know, as as I create the album flow, it doesn't work. Um, and then he just like altercation does make make the most sense of of you know the B sides you know, without paying royalties to do a cover or whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Next up, we are, we have the, um, what would be the penultimate track, Mr. Martin. Um, I find it interesting. This is pretty much the acoustic version from the B-Sides collection, which I liked better anyways. I like the, the bird sounds. I like the, the easygoing vibe of it. Um, this album is feeling super introspective, um, and I like that this, you know, second to last song, um, about the music industry just kind of flows into all of that. And it's, um, you know, just an, an, a song asking himself about his career up to this point. So as a second to last track, if magic wasn't on this album, this song works near perfection in that lineup aaron what do you got <sighs> bless your heart sam oh my god 
How are we friends? <laughs> All right. This is my 11th favorite song on this 11 track album. <laughs> wow. Two stars. The only two stars. I think so, yeah. Yeah, the only two star on this album. I don't know. I think it's because Richard Swift did the Mr. Swift, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Scott. And he did this song so much better. And I feel like Jason was biting on B-I-T-I-N-G, not B-I-D-E-N. And I grew up, okay, so I grew up in the hip-hop culture. And the worst thing you can do is bite copy someone and I feel like Jason's copying Richard Swift so much on this and it just bugged me so much but it's still a two star song it's not one or zero I hear no difference from the non-acoustic version because it's acoustic and non-acoustic the non-acoustic version on the 7 inch I hear no difference and and I think, if, I, if memory serves me, I gave it two stars on the Good to the Future review, and it's still here. It's my least favorite song. It's, I mean, it's all right. It's not skippable. It's not terrible. I'm not going to skip it, but I'm not going to like, oh, I got to hear Mr. Martin. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, oh, I need to hear Mr. Swift. Way better. What do you got, Scott? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, to be honest, I, I I guess I didn't even think about him answering a Swift song like that. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know the intent. I don't know the intent. That that's an interesting perspective. Um, and I I guess it would be around the same time, so it might be something that either um, that caught Jason's attention, and he's like, you know. Making it his own. It was edition. definitely around that sound time. I remember, yeah. yeah, dressed up for the letdown. Yeah, it was, I think it was 2008, seven. Yeah, it was around the same time. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's quite possible too that, you know, Jason had something like this already percolating. You could be right also, um, just because, you know, this is 2008 in Dial M, but think about, you know, he's writing the song definitely um, before it even gets to me in 2007. So it, it you know, it may have been at the same time as, as Swift's song. I mean, it could even be like, you know, more blatant that he heard, you know, rough versions of it and he thought that was a cool concept. So he like kind of wrote his own, I, I don't know. Or maybe Split, or maybe Smith, um, maybe Swift, but bit Jason, I'm totally wrong now. Oh my God, maybe that's it, bless my heart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> But I mean, All I right. think there there are there are similarities in the lyrics. Um, you know, it, they it, are. It's the same concept. And and but when I listen to it both, I feel Swiss version more than Jason's. And how it came about, and I'm sorry, Jason, if you wrote it first, I'm sorry. But it seems like Swiss did it first, and you were replying to it. And I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Yeah, and that, and, that, <laughs> that, and that may be what he's what he's doing for the you know the people that are paying attention. That, that, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it. All right, Aaron, lead us off on what I consider the final track on this album, and we'll get into that. Don't worry, Scott, we'll still have you talk about magic. But Aaron, lead us off on this track. All right, so I love like the little bird, just like 
in the box set review, my favorite song, five stars. This is on the top shelf Starfire songs. It's up there on the mod efforts of Starfire songs, up there with I Drive a Lot. Yeah. I mean, I can't even think of anything else right now, but yeah. Um, and it's also weird that the B side of this is Mall Monarch, Monarchy, which is the second best song on the box set, which makes this the best Starfire seven inch ever. Like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, I just, I just flip this baby over and over again. Like sometimes I just come home and I just listen to it for an hour, just flipping it. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, five stars again. Like I said, okay. Um, the mix here sounds more pristine and complete. You can hear all the ind individual instruments easier, which makes for a great listening experience. So on the seven inch, it sounds more muddled than what we get here. And so I can listen and like, so like I said, when I'm flipping it over, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to listen to the bass and I can listen to the bass. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to the drums now. I'm just listening to the vocals and I can do that. I'm going to listen to keyboards and I can do that. It's very clear and I can hear, and you can also hear xylophones or something that sounds like xylophones here that you can't hear on the ghost version. And I love that. Yeah. Amazing. Whoever wants to take it. A great song, man. I, that seven inch Scott, if you got some extra ones, let me know because it's got my seven inch of that's about to be burned down. Because you have the acoustic slow and then you have that acoustic. I mean, I'm sorry, then you have the industrial new wave and you know, more aggressive sound. And it's like the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Whoever's next. I, I do. I, I really love this song, and I know um, this one in particular. I remember when uh, when I when I first heard it, and Jason sent it to me, and I, it was very catchy. And I remember playing it uh, playing it live. Just really something about the melody and the simplicity, and the uh, it's it's a very beautiful song. I don't know. I I I, I did really like it. And I, it's it's one of my favorites for sure. I think I think you're right. This is definitely a top shelf song. I think um, this is probably my favorite song on the album. Um, I like how we go from Mr. Martin and all those bird sound effects just flow nicely into this track. And that's the best part. And this is why this song gets two and not one star, because with the birds and we come to this, if if this was a, at any point on the album, a different way, it easily would have been a one star song. <laughs> Man. Um. I think the out the song is great, not just because it's a happy song, and just like your just like um your company, we know happy songs are the best way to close Starflyer fifty nine albums. Um, but beyond that, I think the track is just a great lyrical summation of everything else on this album. You know, sometimes I feel so obsolete because the kids want a faster beat. Yeah. Um, but then he turns around and says, even though all this stuff sucks sometimes i still love it i love this what my job i love my art i love it like a little bird even though life is unkind a lot of times and that just sums up the album so perfectly and is the perfect closer track to this album and and sam i just want to interrupt you for a second as a person who struggles with depression and anxiety I've had, and I've been a, I've been a single dad for a while too, 
And there's been many a times where I didn't want to wake up and get out of bed. I didn't want to go to work. I just couldn't. But it's my kids that need to eat. Mm-hmm. Because these kids didn't ask to be born. I made that decision for them. And I need to get up and do what I need to do to provide for them. And so many, I think I mentioned this when we reviewed this the first time too, but I will never get tired of saying it. But that has been a mantra for me. But it's my kids that need to eat. But it's my kids that need to eat. And that motivates me so much in everything I do. When I don't feel like I need to blah, 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 I'm like, but my kids need to eat. And I'm just like, this and it's it's time that I made up my mind. That changed my mind that I made up my mind. These on the same album are possibly my ideas that way, all the tra- talent that I own. Probably the best Jason nerds ever. And they have just like, nurtured me even and i'm agnostic now and those lyrics have nurtured me and encouraged me more than anything in the bible and they just mean so much to me that's it very nice all right so scott now that we're done with that um lead us into magic the bonus track exclusive at least originally for the vinyl yeah, so I mean, I guess I guess what I would say here, I think that your take is right that the record really um, is intended to end with "I Love You Like um, Like the Little Bird," um, and this, you know, is really a request to have a bonus track for the for the vinyl. Um, you know, that was something that I would always ask whenever I did the vinyl. Like, are there are there bonus tracks uh, available? Like, you know, if I'm interested in doing this, are there are there bonus tracks? So, like, like for example. Um, I was gonna press old as a as a double ten inch, um, and there was a bonus track at the end. And uh, RTI, the plating company and the pressing company, they they lost the uh, the plates, so that bonus track is is gone forever. Um, but what's know, the song? What song? What song? What's the name of it? I've never heard it because it. Went... Oh no! <laughs> Man, I'm emailing Jeff right now. All right, go ahead, continue. Well, and, 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 <laughs> So here's the thing, Andy. Andy Prickett, um, he uh, he did the final mixes and pre-mastering for that. And Richard Simpson, he cut the lacquers and then mailed them to RTI. So um, Andy Prickett um, either um, has lost it um, or you know hasn't hasn't owned up to having it. But yeah, that you know I would also I basically my the moral of the story is I always ask for bonus tracks, right? So um, you know the fashion focus. Everybody makes mistakes. There were you know the bonus seven inches, right? Um, and this has the bonus track, uh, Magic. Uh, Changing of the Guard has the bonus seven inch. Uh, talking voice versus singing voice, unfortunately, does does not have a bonus track. But I I definitely asked and tried to tried to get one on there. So that would always be like something that that I would do. I mean, these days vinyl kind of sells itself, so you don't need bonus tracks. But definitely, um, you know, in this era, it was I always thought it was helpful to have something that you know, the folks wanted, especially if they already had the album digitally. So you can blame me for the fact that Magic exists. Now, however, Magic, I think, is a beautiful song. And it you're right, it may be out of place on the record um, because it, it is sort of tacked on. But think about this. Um, Jason's dad passes um, at some point. I want to say it's like July or August of 2007. 
And so this, I mean, this song is, is really a direct response to his, his father's passing. I mean, you see it in the, the dedication of the album and, you know, the, the Bible verse that, you know, his hope is that he's going to, to see his, his dad again, um, you know, um, so like hope is not lost, you know, and that's, that's really comforting to Jason. And I think, um, you know, there's something about that in the, in the, the lyrics to magic. And it's, I mean, if you just listen to it by itself, outside of the context of this record, um, you might think that, you know, it spoils the record being tacked on at the end. But I, I, I remember getting it, you know, just by itself and thinking like, you know, I really, really enjoyed the song. I thought it was, you know, well-written and, it, you know, a, a nice little conversation that he's having with his, his dad who recently passed. So, I mean, I, I, I am a fan of the song. I think it is um, a catchy song the more I listen to it. And it's like, you know, a very deep and personal um, song lyrically for Jason. Now, I did not realize, because I'm dumb, that this was a song about his dad. And that does change Stop the context judging yourself. of <laughs> Stop judging yourself, Sam. Even though he said John, and in mention of John, it's his dad. But I we mean, love you, there, Sam. I don't think um, uh, the, the other John song from uh, Can't Stop Eating is about his dad. Personally, no, it's a cover, but every, okay, minus that song, yes, <laughs> he's not doing another cover yeah. with the word John in it. <laughs> That's a one-off, clearly. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, so that that definitely changes the context of the song, and you know, because I'm a huge narrative nerd, and I like everything to make narrative sense, even when it doesn't. Um, I could definitely see this being like a coda to the album. Where it's like, you know, here's all the introspect about me. Now, let me talk to my dad for a minute. So that's a really cool thought, and I like that a lot. All right. All right. I have weird takes on songs, and it's going to be my weird take. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. My 10th favorite song on this album. So it beats out Mr. Martin. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Love the spelling of the word, too. Anyway, this would be the best song on I am an uh, I am an CEO, and probably the third best song on Vanity, but unfortunately it's on Dial M. So there's so many amazing songs on Dial M, and this is my dilemma because I obviously listen to the songs since I got the um, vinyl, never got the insert. So all that stuff you talked about, Scott, about the dedication is that, I don't know, I didn't get into that. But listening to it, and I heard John, I was like, oh, this is about his dad. Got it. And then, of course, with the intro to this episode, I quoted it. Because I'm coming around to it. And I hate that we're doing this now, because I, I feel like in three years or so, like I said about the um, 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 I love you like the little bird. This might be on my. I feel like this might be on my top, my my Everest of Starfire songs. But right now it's not. It has a nice groove. Um, it's not skippable. But it's also not. I drive a lot, or you don't miss me, or. The dungeon, you know, it's just like, it's not that level, but it's not, 
Indiana either, <laughs> you know? And <clears throat> Jason has a lot of songs like this, and it's where he has very catchy songs, and they're, ve and they're very enjoyable, but they're not near the pure perfection that he has on so many songs, like no new kind of no new kind of story. So I'm like confounded, like how to rate this song. And Magic is one of those. Like, how do I rate this song? And like I said, I gave it ten out of eleven on Dowlin. I'm gonna give it two and a half song, two and a half stars, and I think it might be the lowest, second lowest, or lowest on this album outside of Mr. Martin. Yeah, second lowest outside of Mr. Martin. But I feel like <laughs> in like three years it's gonna be amazing to me. And I'm glad, but I am glad that you included it, Scott, because I would rather have a Jason song and hear it than not, no matter how good or bad it is, so I can hear it and, and judge it. So thank you for including it. That's it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's on here. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair that I, I would look at it as just, you know, a bonus, right? It's not an extension of the album, and it, it's really not the end of the album. I, I think the appropriate ending song of the album is, you know, I Love You Like a Little Bird. I think that's the right take on you know, the bookended um, version of Dial N. This, this isn't, you know, this is a bonus. So it's like like a coda, like a little victory lap, if you will. Um, you know, and the, and the emo in me, like, you know, loves him, like calling out to his dad and kind of trying to trying to think that through and, you know, realize that his dad's gone. And I feel like three years from now, we're going to meet in Philadelphia. And I'm like, this is top five Starfire songs. I really feel like that, but it's not there now. It's really weird. I've never felt like any song by Starfire like that. But yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. And we've been talking for a minute. Like uh, this album is 38 minutes with the bonus track magic. <laughs> and we've now been talking for an hour and 17 minutes. <laughs> Thanks, right. Obama. <laughs> it's all right um so scott just so you're in the know um i have a weird weight rating system because you know we do things weird here so i actually have a, a nine point rating system where we judge things by music lyrics and how it fits overall like how well does it sit in time okay um so for me this album follows so nicely from my island um, just about questioning your relevance. Now that the dream of being a rock star has died, how are you still relevant? And I get the feeling that um, the changing of guard will probably wrap up this trilogy super nicely. But until we get there, um, I think Martin is a genius at sad but catchy songs where the melody plays counter to the alt rock of the rest of the track. Him and, and his brother. <laughs> yeah like just they, they they have this thing where you know a beautiful melody set against like just insanity and somehow making it work so the music on this album i give a two um i think this maybe isn't his best music but i still really enjoy it um kind of like you said aaron it's not i drive a lot it's not your company it's not my first heart attack, my, my uh, yeah, my first heart attack, but it's still pretty darn good. Um, but where this album really gets me is the lyrics. I give these lyrics a solid two and a half. But they're some you, of his best yet. You gotta stop with your company, but continue. 
<laughs> Dude, it's a great song. And okay, oh, okay. I, I'm gonna tangent. No, tangent I'm sorry. Time. Okay. Tangent time. Okay. I was listening to that album. I think yesterday or the day before. I was listening to um, "Leave Here a Stranger" because I found the CD version I had laying around my house. And your company works because the whole entire song album is about you know missing his buddy Gene Eugene, mm-hmm. and he's saying in the last track, "I miss your company, man." It works. Okay, coming back. Um, lyrics, I give this album... Magic, yeah. magic, magic would have been a better closer on Leave for a Stranger, but go ahead. Um, lyrics, I give two and a half. Some of his best lyrics. I love these lyrics. I feel like um, for as much crap as people give Latter-day J- um, Starflyer 59, I think his lyrics continually get better and never really stop. Um, overall, I give this a two. I think it sits really nicely in the pantheon of Starflyer, and I'm loving this latter day Starflyer. Um, I, I feel like a bit of a uh, late catalog apologist because everyone's like everything you know pre Leave Here a Stranger is good, and everything after sucks. And I'm really loving some of these latter day albums. So overall, I give this a seven and a half out of nine. Aaron, what do you got? I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with all that, except for it seems like old and dialem are the exceptions to that. You know, um, yeah, change of the guard. I am, I am a CEO and all those, but I feel like fans overall dig dialem and old a lot. I don't hear too much hate on that. Um, even Joel Julian loves um, dialem. Um, for me, I'm with you, Sam. The lyrics, pretty, pretty freaking solid. Three for me. Music, again, like I think we talked about, like the um, um, last Laurel EP. How like is the music like? What time does that fit in? It's like it doesn't fit in in the genre of music. And I feel like Dial M. We mentioned, you know, Joy Division. We mentioned all these people different things and it was released in 2007 8 i can't remember i'm old you know i think there's gonna be a timeless album musically so three as well and then um just the overall like as you know just like i just said how to hold up over time i'm not gonna give this a nine So probably I'll give I'll take it back. So overall, Dallin is probably like a God seven point five or eight, seven point five, eight. No eight. It's so danceable. It's so catchy. Like even the slow songs. Like even I love like Little Bird. Like even I still be bopping to that. And like I'm not like full dancing on like Taxi, but I'm still dancing. Yeah, I'm gonna give it this an eight. It's such a catchy poppy. It's probably it's his it's his best pop album. Fair enough, Scott. Do you have any last minute thoughts on this album? No. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I I enjoy listening to your takes on the record. Like in some ways, I think I'm I'm so close to this record, like being so involved in the seven inches coming out that like Dilem is was a little bit of a like a victory lap almost to have it come out. Um, and, and so I think initially when it came out, I, I was just so 
overwhelmed by like having done the project that I, I needed a little bit of breathing room. So I didn't listen to Dial M to the extent that, you know, maybe I would have other Starflyer records right away. So it, it took a little bit of time for me to kind of, you know, really uh, listen to it as a whole record. So it's, it's been nice to kind of listen to it again. I, I do really like the record. I, I, I think he does have some really good, like, you know, pop melodies um, on, on Dial M that, you know, are, are really um, exceptional. So yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan and I, I see what you're doing with all the ratings and I, I guess I would have a hard time probably like rating Starflyer records myself um, to, to that level. But yeah, I, uh, I appreciate what you had to say. Yeah. And we appreciate you hanging out with us for, oh my goodness, like two and a half hours. You're amazing. Thank you so it's much. So, so good. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, Scott, you're amazing. Philadelphia, yeah. city of brotherly love. We'll uh, we'll meet up. We'll have a beer or something, and then yeah, for sure. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, and thank you, all you lovely people, for listening. And we always have a blast just sitting here and talking. I'm I'm just thankful that people sit here and listen to me talk. It's a such a weird thing, and I I, I love you all for it. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We had a as a former as a former pastor, I love people listening to me. And I'm a therapist now. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening. We're agreeing. Don't hang up, though, Scott. All right. All right. And as always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. Thanks for listening. Bye.